You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be an ESV story version in the prayer room. You can grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you. We'd love for you to just be studying the Word of God as we go along here, week in and week out. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, 29 through 32, where the Apostle Paul writes, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is God's word. Okay, this is the last sermon in a a, a lengthy series that's taken us through the summer about being a life-giving church. And as most of you are aware, the last four or five sermons or so have been on life-giving relationship how to do relationship with one another in a very life-giving way. And uh, so we're going to continue to talk about relationships a little bit today. Uh, I talked to you uh, several Sundays ago for a couple of Sundays about having relationship with those who are not Christians, those who are actually sinners, and how much that Jesus as our model shows us that we need to love sinners and we need to be in relationship with them. And that was very challenging for a lot of us to figure out, how do I do that? How will I navigate opportunities to be able to express the love of Jesus to someone outside of the faith um, and follow through with them in some type of relational format? Um, And one of the key things we talked about was not jumping into it too fast uh, and going headstrong into something, but before you talk to someone about Jesus, you talk to Jesus about them. And so the idea is that as you're in your D groups, um, that you have a list of people. Uh, These are people of peace that you are praying for. They are unbelievers uh, in your circle of influence. And so you're praying for them, but you're praying with the intent that you are actually going to at some point have a point of connection with them to share the gospel with them, all right? And so that was the first part of relationships. The second part was having relationships with one another inside of the body of Christ and how those relationships are very purposeful for us. And we need to be very intentional about how we relate to one another inside of the body of Christ. And today I want to talk to you just a little bit about what I think is the most important relationship of all, and that is our relationship with the Lord. Because if that is not right, the others just will never be what they're supposed to be, all right? So let me give you a personal story to start with. When I first became a Christian, I had developed a tremendous ability to protect myself. I had been hurt over a various season of life by other people, and I had uh, made myself a recluse. I was the proverbial wallflower. I wasn't talking to anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I felt like that I always had to just protect myself from everybody and every situation and everything, and so I was quite defensive. And one of the tools that I had developed over a, a lengthy period of time was a unique, keen ability to be sarcastic. That is a wonderful tool if you don't want to like people. And if you want people to not like you, it's even a better tool. All right? But here's the problem. 
Christians love to use this weapon. And I used it really well. I had a tongue on me that you could not imagine. It was an absolute weapon of defense. And I used it on every opportunity I could, and I was offensive, not defensive. I was on the offense to make sure nobody got in because nobody was ever going to hurt me again. The problem with that was that I became a Christian. And as I became a Christian, many aspects of my life began to change. And I began to pattern my life after Christ in a lot of different ways. But I still had a defense mechanism that I just did not want to get rid of. And I remember on the occasion that God really dealt with my heart. And someone said something to me, and I felt all those things I feel when I feel vulnerable, when I feel in a danger zone, when I feel like there's rejection about to happen, or I feel like someone's about to disqualify me or defame me in some way. And so my radar is going off like, ooh, and all of a sudden, I just spit out some very sarcastic remarks to this individual. And this individual coiled up and moved away from me. Job done. Victory, I win. Until a moment later and someone taps me on the shoulder. And they said, hey, Bill, that was a bit sarcastic. And I said, very flippantly, I know, I'm good at it. I wasn't giving it up. This was my defense in all of life. And that person looked at me and smiled gently and said, yeah, it, it was sarcasm. Do you know what that means in Latin? <laughs> I'm like, no. And this person did this. They looked at me and they said, <laughs> it means the tearing or the ripping of the flesh. As when a great animal with claws rips in to a human being. That's graphic. It crushed me because I am a representative of Jesus. I am the ambassador of Christ, as are all of us. And yet I was using my tongue as this horrible weapon that was literally, in essence, ripping somebody open every time I'd speak practically. I appreciate God's conviction. I appreciate so much the grace to repent. I appreciate very much God's ability to give us strategies to help us to move beyond these kinds of strongholds that we develop in our lives that keep us from being like Jesus. And so I'm very careful anymore. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying I'm very careful anymore because I wouldn't want to tear anyone apart. And I realized at the end of all of that that the reason I was tearing someone apart is because I had been torn apart myself. And I hated that. And I never wanted it to happen again. But you see, the enemy would love for you to respond in like manner to the spirits that come against you. And Jesus tells us as does the Apostle Paul in his letter to Ephesians, that we are to respond very differently. We operate 
in the opposing spirit of the evil one. And so what David read to you becomes very life-giving to us, especially if we have been speaking death to others through our defense mechanisms or our anger or our own rejection or whatever the case may be. And so Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, hey, guys, don't let any corrupting talk come from you. Like, don't be a part of that. Don't let it even come out of your mouth. See, we have ways of getting around following Christ in a strict way. We say things like, oh, well, that's just me. Everybody knows it's me. You know, that's just how I am. You know, I can't change. Baloney. <laughs> you can change. As a matter of fact, you already have changed if Christ is in you. You have become a new creation in Christ. Therefore, you don't have to do the same things you used to do if you are a new creation. And some of us will say, well, you know, it's, it was done to me, so I just do it to others. It's just a response. It's just, it's just mechanical. No, it's not. It's something that is intentional, and you keep doing it. So it becomes a habit in your life. And especially if other people around you laugh about it, then it's almost as though, oh, I have an audience. And we get even better at it. But here's what Paul is saying to the church. You don't do that. You don't let that talk come out of your mouth. But what comes out of your mouth is such as is good for building up. Much different than tearing down, isn't it? And as it fits the occasion. In other words, be intentional. Understand the circumstances that you're in and all of your relationships that you're in because your God has put you in those relationships and in those circumstances for purpose. And the purpose is for you to edify one another and others and speak life to them. We were talking earlier this morning about the reality of how now the new norm is anger. Everybody's angry. Everybody's mad about something. Everybody's volatile. Everybody's spitting out stuff to, to one another and to people they don't even know and about people they've, they've never even met or ever even under, tried to understand. And so we have this culture in the world that is very different than the character and the nature of God and of Christ. And so we need to be very aware of where God has placed us and very intentional in how we are presenting ourselves there because here's the first point that I want to bring to you in terms of your relationship with God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't be a person who is causing the Spirit of God to grieve over you, His possession, his chosen one, all right? So he says it. That's what Paul says. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for that day of redemption, all right? Now, here's what I want you to understand today as, as we kind of lay this out here is that it's pretty commonly understood and, and accepted, and I believe it. I'm convinced of it, as a matter of fact, that, that joy and satisfaction, which are two things that we're all after. We're constantly seeking to be joyful and to be satisfied in this life, but joy and satisfaction in life is tied directly to the quality of relationships that you possess with other people. 
Let me explain that a little bit, all right? You can be extremely successful in your business or in your trade, yet if your marriage goes bad or you struggle in a relationship with your children, much of the joy and satisfaction of what you do is diminished or lost or sucked out of you, right? It's very difficult to enjoy the rest of life if those key functional relationships are amiss in some way. And so God wants to have relationship with you in such a way that you are able to relate in healthy and wonderful and delightful and rich ways with others around you. Okay, you may live in a beautiful house. You may have a lovely apartment. But if you don't get along with your neighbors, you're going to have some bad experiences. And it's going to be very difficult. All right? So if you've got great neighbors, bless the Lord. All right? But you and I, regardless of the state of our neighbor, are the difficulty that our child is going through, are the tension between us and our spouse, we have a responsibility. And that is, number one, that we don't grieve God. But number two, that we build up those in the, in the kingdom, that we are constantly edifying others around us. Now, what sometimes we don't get here, what we don't really understand here, is, is that the relationship that we have with God plays a very significant role in the relationships that we have with other people. And if I'm not right with God, I'm not going to get it right with my wife. If I'm not right with the Lord, I'm going to have a difficult time of being a good father to my children. And I'm not putting all of that on, on you yourself, but I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand that how you are responding to God is going to make a difference in these relationships. Some of these people may be difficult to deal with. And they may be having a hard season of life, but your response is essential for them to be able to also understand God and to receive His love. And so if I'm not a good father, then my children are going to have a difficult understanding of how God is good. If I'm not covering my wife and giving myself for her, She's going to have a difficult understanding of embracing the goodness of God and the cover of Christ in her life. I don't save her. I don't save my children. But I have a responsibility, as you do, in these deep relationships to exhibit this same love of the Father so that there is a better understanding of this love and it can be received. And so you and I have that same responsibility with each other in the body of Christ. You and I are called to edify one another and not grieve the Spirit of God. The Apostle John talks about this, and he, he talks about what is this seemingly kind of disconnect here uh, of, of all of this when he writes and he says, um, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God 
loves his brother also. If we are going to be a witness and we are going to declare that the love of the Father is in us, we better know how to love our brother and sister. We better know how to relate to them in a way that is loving and caring and building up and edifying. One of the most challenging things is when we don't know how to do that very well. And this is why your relationship with Jesus is so important, because he has come to heal you. He is the God who heals, and that is all-encompassing. That is not a statement for physical healing alone. But God is a God of wholeness, and God's intent is to bring you back from your brokenness to a place of completion or wholeness. And that is to touch every aspect of your life, including your emotions and your feelings, including your thought processes, your, your identity. All of these things are important. And God intends to heal you so that you can be effective in your relationships with others. And so that's the first thing I would say to you is that your relationship with God directly impacts your relationships with others, all right? And so you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit and you want to be careful what you're saying to others and you want to make sure that you are building people up. All of that brings life. That is a life-giving culture in terms of the relationships that we have with God and with one another. Now here's the second thing. I, I think that Paul is, is really trying to help us to understand that some of the things that we do as Christians don't line up. Like we, we make statements, we, we make confessions, uh, and, and we do this legitimately. Like I'm not, I'm not diminishing this. I'm not trying to get away from this, okay? I think you need to make confessions. I, I think you need to, to declare some things, especially who you are in Christ. Sometimes when I'm feeling very distant from the Lord, and I, and I don't feel like that relationship is really, like, clicking. I'm like, I'm not really connecting with God. I'll come in here, and I'll just walk. I'll just walk around this room for a, a significant amount of time. And all I'm doing out loud, all right, is I'm declaring who I am in Christ. I am your child. I am your son. I am beloved by you. I can do all things through you, Christ, because you strengthen me. You love me. You sing over me. You dance over me. You, you have chosen me. I didn't choose you. You chose me. You called me out of darkness and into your light. And I confess these things over and over and over and over because I'm getting them back into my spirit and into my mind so I am thinking appropriately not only about God and who he is but about me and who I am in him. All right? And so if you're feeling disconnected from God in that relationship, this is an exercise that you can do. You can actually begin to make these confessions. Mark them in your Bible. All right? Or you can actually get on the Internet and just download and print off a confession sheet from various ministries that just have all of these scriptural confessions of who you are in Christ and what the Father has done for you. And you can just confess them over and over and over. I know of one individual, and they do this every single morning of their life. They wake up, and they get out of bed confessing 
who they are in Christ and start their day that way. Paul here is saying, okay, what I want you to do, church, is I want you to make sure that there is not a place where this corrupt kind of language is coming out of your mouth. So I don't want your, your conversation laced with these foul or these harmful or these demeaning words, all right? I, I, don't, I don't want you to be vulgar towards one another, all right? I'm not talking here about cussing, all right? You shouldn't cuss either, okay? But I'm not talking about cussing. I'm talking about you saying things to one another that are vulgar in the sense that they demean one another. Are you put someone down you, you, you take a, 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 an attack approach or an attack mode with someone, or you're just putting someone down so that you can feel bigger yourself. We do this. There are much more insidious things out there, racial slurs and, and those kinds of things. Those should never happen in the body of Christ. They shouldn't happen outside the body of Christ, but they certainly shouldn't happen in the body of Christ, all right? It's not your and my place to demean anybody. Not when God has valued them so much. The Apostle James talks about it in James 3, verse 10. He says, out of them, the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. All right, this is an observation of James. Out of, out of the same mouth comes both. Then he says, brothers, this thing ought not to be. In other words, this should not be happening. You and I should be better than that, all right? We, should, we actually should respect ourselves better than that, that we are walking in the image of Christ, and we are representing Christ. We're these living epistles, if you will, all right? And so you and I need to make sure that what we are saying helps to build others up and seeks to advance their understanding of God's love and mercy as he reveals his grace to them. There are many times in my life, people, hallelujah. <laughs> if that's Jesus, I'll take it, all right? <laughs> there are many times in, in my life where I have not felt that connect with God and I think that's very common to us. I mean, if you're one of those people and you just really have felt connected to God ever since your salvation and you're just rocking it with Jesus every day, all day, all the time, great. I just happen not to be one of those kind of people. And so I often feel a disconnect. And if I'm shaming myself, I'm feeling really disconnected from God, all right? If I've disappointed myself in some way, I'm feeling really disconnected from God, you know? But here's what happens invariably God will let me intersect with one of you or someone in the body of Christ and they are holding on to who they are in Christ and they are expressing the love of Christ in such grateful ways and such affirming ways that it's amazing. And I can, I can be sitting at my desk and feeling really like in the mully grubs or sorrowful or whatever you want to call it, okay, and, and someone can walk in, and they just start affirming me. They don't know that I'm there, because when they come in, I put on my best pastoral face, you know, and I'm smiling. And they just start affirming me. It's like as though I can't hide it. God knows I need it. <laughs> and, and, and that affirmation, that, that love and that building up 
it speaks to me of the love of Jesus. It says to me, Lord, you love me enough that you would bring someone in here at a really low moment, and they would just encourage me and build me up. That's amazing. That's amazing that you would love me that much that you would do that. That's what I'm talking about. When we have these opportunities to be these living epistles and to walk this out, all right, because people are reading you. People are watching you. They're looking at you, all right? But, but Paul goes on to say that, that the reaction of these individuals, all right, we may not even know what that is, and we may not understand that fully, all right? But the effect of what we have done, we can't get it back. And so that's when the Holy Spirit is grieved. It's when we speak these things out, and we can't retract them. We can't pull them back, and the, the damage is done, so to speak. How many of you have ever had that experience? You've been some, you, you just said something. You knew before you said it, right? I mean, like, we, we know we should not say this. And what do we do? We just go ahead and say it. And, and then it's like, shoot, you know, I should not have done that. Why did I do that? You know, and now we're beating ourselves up. Now we're shaming ourselves because of the situation. And we do feel bad about it, but we can't erase it. We can't pull those words back. We, we can't, you know what? We can't even reverse and go in the, in the right spirit at that moment because in essence, in the moment, We've disqualified ourselves by the very actions that we gave. We don't want to find ourselves there because that's the moment, my friend, when the Spirit is truly grieved. Because at that moment, we've tied the hands of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot work through us in that moment because we've tied it all up. All right? And there's nothing life-giving there in that moment. There's no life. You just, you just need to go away somewhere uh, and find a hole and dig it and crawl in it and bury yourself. No, you, you, just need, you just need to go repent. All right? Don't stay there. Don't stay in that place. Just go repent and get through it. All right? Get beyond it so that you can edify. You can build someone up. All right? Aren't you, aren't you thankful for the grace of God that, that cleans us and clears us out so that we can do these kinds of things, all right? And so we need to be very, very concerned about how we are approaching those people around us, all right? And honestly, we are those ambassadors. We are those representatives. And an ambassador, uh, if you really understand and study what an ambassador, like an ambassador of this nation to another nation, that individual doesn't go in what is their own desires or their own thoughts or their own philosophies or uh, their own convictions. They represent America. And so they speak a different voice of representation that's far broader than themselves. When you and I are relating to one another and those outside of the body of Christ as ambassadors of Christ, we're representing the kingdom. We're not representing ourselves. We don't get to, to necessarily speak our own conviction or our own thought or our own preference. We speak the preferences of God. We speak the conviction of, of the Word of God. We speak the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit at work. And so we come in a different demeanor. We come in a different manner than we would on our own. And so here's what I want you to understand. You need to have a healthy, vibrant relationship with the Father 
Otherwise, you're going to be easily tempted to operate out of your own flesh and your own wounds. And when you do, it gets messy. And that's where we lose the sense of being life-giving. Now, this all speaks to our relationship with God because that's the starting point. That's where we have to begin, all right? God sent his love expressed to us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And he also sent Jesus right into the grave. But then he also sent Jesus right out of the tomb and up to his throne room to watch over us and bless us with intercessory prayer. That's the Jesus we serve. That's the gospel that we're talking about right there. That's what we hold on to, if you will, okay? And so that's what we are expressing to others when we are speaking into their lives and we are building them up. We're we're expressing this gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And you don't have to be explicit about those things like I was just then. Just the fact that you are encouraging and you're building up and you're loving and you're accepting, all these things speak of the nature and the character of our God. God also sent his spirit to bring us from death into life and and, and gave us faith in our hearts to believe. And so that spirit has now sealed us, all right, which means that he has claim on us. If we are sealed in the Holy Spirit, and, and that's what he says in this passage, all right? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, all right? Along with all malice, all of these negative aspects of our flesh need to be put away from us. That means they can be, all right? You don't have to live a defeated life. These things can be taken from you. you can, God will give you the strategies to help you to align your life with his word in such a way that all these things, as he says here, can be put away from you. But then he says, when that's happened, don't rejoice. Don't think you've arrived or you've made it, okay? But he says, then be kind to one another, all right? Be tenderhearted. To one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's the example. That's what we live out. That's the expressed example that we have that we bring to others. We share the same love and the same forgiveness and the same tenderness and the same care that Jesus has already expressed to us. And as we do that, they get the message. The Holy Spirit is free to move. And as the Holy Spirit is released and unlocked to move through our lives, the Holy Spirit is able to reach in and capture that person and show them the love of Jesus. And so you and I need to have this kind of deep, healthy relationship with the Lord so that we're able to do that with others. Now, here's the challenge in life, church, as it is everywhere. This life is filled with trials and challenges and stresses and strains and all kinds of things, and it's very easy to become very frustrated with others, all right? And and that frustration can lead to some pretty ugly things like bitterness and anger and hate and evil words and desires to hurt others rather than help them. All of these things can happen to us even though we are Christians. We can exhibit these sort of things. But here's the big strategic key for you, all right? 
when we bear in mind what God has done and is doing for us each day, how can that not affect us? Don't live your life in such a randomness and such an emptiness that you are not aware every single day of your life of the goodness of God and what he has done for you. Remind yourself, all right? Recall the promises of God. Reach in there and talk to God and thank him daily for what he has done for you in your life. And as you do that, it will allow your heart to soften and, and, to, and to be obedient, all right? And so then we can and we will ask God to take away all of those negative emotions, all of those negative expressions, all of those negative actions, because we will want to be more like him. We only do that to, in, in direct relationship to our uh, level of relationship we have with Jesus, all right? I, if I'm going to relate to you accurately, if I'm going to relate to you spiritually, if I'm going to relate to you healthy, I need to have that kind of relationship with the Father. I need to know that I am a son, and I need to know who my Father is, and I need to understand what he has done to make me his son. And when we process that in our brain on a continual basis, and, and you know, some people say, well, won't, won't I, I'll just get tired of doing that. Not if you understand the magnitude of what God has done. God has done for you and I what you and I cannot do for ourselves. And he has given his son to die for us so that we don't have to die for ourselves. God has made a way for you and I to enter into deep relationship with him so that we can have eternal life and not lose life. Jesus lost his life so that you can live. And so you and I need to remind ourselves of this constantly, all right? Because that relationship that we have with the Father impacts this relationship we have with others so greatly. And you and I need to be able to forgive. You and I need to be able to let things go, all right? You and I need to, like Jesus, by choice, lay down our lives for others, so that Satan cannot overcome and, and work in their lives a strategy to destroy them. The enemy is roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. Jesus gave his life. The beauty is he then took it back, and he demonstrated the authority that he has over death and hell. Therefore, he is able to offer you life, all right, and so some people may be tempted to respond in different ways to the, the stimulus around them that is negative and, and, and volatile and demeaning or, or abusive or whatever. But you and I have a hope to bring into that. We have a light to bring into that darkness. And we need to be able to do that. And that's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. That's what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. We have this ability to speak of a Savior that is alive, that is living and is coming again, that has redeemed us and is looking to live eternally with us. And so out of that, we need to respond appropriately to all people, not just your best friend, not just your friend group, all right? You and I need to see that all God's people are on his heart 
And God's intent is for all of them, regardless of where they are, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their aptitude, regardless of any other aspect of their life. God's intent is to love them deeply, accept them completely, save them totally, and enjoy them forever. Amen. Praise team, come on up here. We're going to worship the Lord in just a moment. Here's the thing I want you to understand as we're closing is that God in view of the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ has justified us, declaring us not guilty. What he's done is he saved our souls. God sees and will continue to see the labor of his soul, and he will be satisfied. That's what Isaiah says. It also says that his righteous servant will justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. God is calling you and I to be like Jesus and to model this relational aspect of bearing one another's burdens. That means that I have to bear my brother or my sister's iniquity. I have to be willing to overlook faults. I have to be able to overlook sin and embrace that person as Jesus would embrace them. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so our responsibility is to act appropriately and in the same fashion. So you and I are called into this world to be a light, one that forgives, one that embraces, one that gets in there with the messy of people's lives and walks with them because that's what Jesus did. And so we do the same, all right? Our motivation to forgive others doesn't lie in the person we are forgiving. Please understand that, all right? Rather, it lies in the Lord God of heaven and the grace that he has bestowed on us. And that's where we land today. And that is cultivated through relationship, prayer, worship, the disciplines, the study of the word, fasting, all of these kinds of things. Let's stand together. Jesus came and did for you what you could not do for yourself. And he has called you to do what he has done in that he has laid down his life for others in such a way that you speak that same love and that same acceptance to those around you. We guard our mouths. We don't grieve the Spirit of God. We don't speak all of these slanderous things out around us. But rather, we live as Jesus, living epistles in this earth. Just take a moment, bow your head. What is God showing you? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What needs to change in your life today to make you more like Jesus?
pray for you. If the Holy Spirit's spoken something into your heart and you just want to pray it through right now, they will be up here waiting and ready to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to sing together. Give us eyes to see and hearts like yours. Help us that when we look out there and we see a fellow human being and they're lost and broken and they represent some pain we've experienced, help us to bridle our tongue. Help us to hold back. Help us to, to not listen to the enemy's words. Help us to look up to you, to behold your grace that we have through Christ. Help us to have boldness and courage, Lord, that we indeed can go and build up, that we can bless and not curse, that we can give and not take, that we can serve, and that we can be a light in darkness. God, show us what we need to do to get into that kind of relationship with you where we are flourishing, where you're able to speak through us. And then, God, make us living epistles and send us out from here, God, into the mission field that you've given us, Lord. May we be guided by your spirit, Father. And as we develop our relationship with you and grow deeper into it, let us have joy and satisfaction with you, and with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.